Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. It is uh, probably fair to say that uh, humans, me, I think Ray's human, um, and all of us out there are creatures of habit. Um, I think that's fair. I know I certainly am. Um, I bring that up because today we're going to kind of break the habit on a Tuesday. We welcome you to Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by the one and only FantasyGuru.com. Uh, human, homo sapien, Kyle Elfrink. Ray, homo sapien, right? You're, you're, you're still one of those, right? As far as I know, pal, that's uh, my parents were human beings, yes. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, you get to this point in the year and you're writing all these uh, baseball articles, you start to become a... A, a robot a robot yeah that's yeah. fair I, I think so so we got to get you back uh to humanity's side i i mentioned that uh, we'll break the habit uh we're going to kind of flip-flop today's show first off uh justin fincerman usually joins us on tuesday not going to be here uh he's going to join us tomorrow to talk basketball uh we are going to talk football but we're actually going to put it behind baseball that's right ray we're going to lead with some baseball mark it down ray flowers january 23rd is the day that you get your new year's wish yeah, for those people that don't know, Kyle kind of plans the show every day, so he sends me the rundown before uh, the show begins, and I noticed that very thing. We've been having the, the baseball at the top, but then it's been all football, actually talking some baseball at the start. I like it, Kyle. Yeah, we're going to lead with, uh, there's not much going on in football. I mean, we'll talk about it. We obviously got the big games this weekend, but Tuesday's kind of a slow day. There it is. There's our rundown. You see that, yes, the uh, fantasy baseball guide is out and available. Hit it up on that link you see. We'll talk more about it coming up. Uh, we will jump into one of the articles that we did not get to yesterday. I promised Ray we would get to this multi-positional assets, none better than a guy named Mookie Betts, um, who is now like the greatest second baseman ever, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, maybe not the greatest ever, but he could, be. he could put up some of the greatest seasons we've ever seen from a second baseman. We will continue our rundown of something we are discussing all week long, the catcher position. Uh, yesterday, we kind of introduced you to the spot for 2024. Today, we'll look at some of last year's surprises, and can they do it again? There weren't a ton of them at the catcher's spot, but we'll spotlight a few of them. Uh, coming up later tonight, 6 o'clock Eastern, Major League Baseball will announce its Hall of Fame class. Ray, you sent me some uh, internet number crunching. This could be a huge, relatively huge class in 2024 for Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. Yeah, Ryan Thibodeau collates all the available data that comes out because a lot of people obviously post their uh, their ballots online and in articles and such. And you know he's got almost fifty four percent of the vote group locked down. And um, there's a lot of guys with, that are over the line. There's a guy that's a couple of ticks right behind the line. So there's a chance based upon the voting we're looking at that four, maybe even five guys yeah. could be elected tonight. And, and all these guys are like modern era guys, you know, guys that I would suspect most of our audience at least saw these guys live, which, Ray, I remember being a kid and everybody that you saw elected to the Hall of Fame, you were like, wow, I bet they were great. Or you saw black and white video or old baseball cards. Now I'm officially at that age, Ray, where, well, I've been this way for probably 15 years, but the Hall of Fame is my Hall of Fame. Now all these guys are, you know, guys I got to watch, guys I got to cheer on. It's kind of cool that we that we've reached that point. It is. Uh, and I'm old enough to remember all these guys, too. Uh, but, yeah, I think that it is it is cool when it becomes your group. And we're still dealing with this. And you know this, Kyle. We're still dealing with the, you know, 
PED, steroid, and, you know, I, I find it interesting how people choose to vote. I'll just put it that way. Some, they are convinced some guys cheated. They know other people cheated. They don't care. They vote for them anyway. I, I wish they would just vote for the players based upon their merits. But I think we're getting to the point where we're finally starting maybe to move past that a little bit, which would be my biggest hope. Let's forget that in terms of putting guys in the Hall of Fame. Let's not forget it happened. Yeah. But let's the, – because, the, again, the, the picking and choosing with this guy, we don't know who did what when, period. No one knows. A lot of people that vote act like they know. Well, and, and Ray, as we know, one more thing on this because we got other items to get to. But um, as we know, baseball is not beloved nor followed like it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yet nothing, Ray, brings out the baseball fanatics like this Hall of Fame stuff. Huh? Um, and, and I wonder with the voting and, you know, we've got how many people are voting now? Is it 800? Is it? I don't even I know. I think it's like four. 30, 420, yeah. something okay. like that. Yeah. Big number. Um, but a lot of people do put these out publicly and it's it's cool. That's neat. It's it's fun to see. You don't you don't have to do this. Uh mm -hmm. some people choose to do it. But like I, I, I think even the people that do it publicly, they're like, this really isn't worth it because people just get Smash pissed them. and yell yeah. and scream. And I mean, come on, it's just an opinion. <laughs> I don't know. I guess next time you go to the trading card show and now you have to pay for Hall of Famer Todd Helton's autograph. It's going to cost you <laughs> bucks more. I guess you can get pissed off about that, but I don't know. It, it's just kind of weird that people get so furious uh, about the Hall of Fame. So, so we'll jump into some of those early numbers. Also some baseball news and notes. The Dodgers continue to add to their rotation as they kind of put a plan together for the upcoming year. And then, of course, we will get to the football. We've got uh, issues, perhaps, in San Francisco. Uh, latest on Debo Samuel. With that shoulder injury, uh, there's some questions about McCaffrey and his true health. Uh, we got a new head coach in Tennessee. We'll tell you who that is. Uh, Nick Chubb's future, kind of up for grabs in Cleveland. And we will con continue our uh, week-long recap of the wide receiver position. Uh, yesterday, we gave you the top 12, the guys who performed as wide receiver ones. Today, we'll get to the guys who uh, came up short of expectations. Um, a lot of guys that we will not talk about came up short because of injuries. So we will not include most of those guys. Now, there's some guys that missed three or four games uh, that we will include. Overall, wide receiver did us pretty well. And that's always one of the hallmarks of the position is that in the last five years, when you draft guys to be studs, not that all of them are studs, but if they stay on the field for 15, 16, 17 games, they usually perform that way. So finding misses, you got to dig a bit deeper. Maybe you got to criticize a bit more hard, if you will. Uh, so we'll talk about that with wide receivers. Now, before we get into the baseball and the football, Ray, uh, take us to the discounts, because I know people are probably salivating newcomers and, and maybe people who've just been too lazy. They are salivating today to take in your uh, fantasy baseball draft guide. Um, and you've got a discount for them when they order it, right? We do. Absolutely. Make sure you put that discount in when you pick up the baseball product. It's FSD to zero. Uh, that's 20% off on the product. So if you want to get hockey you want to get basketball you want to get racing you want to get soccer you can use fsd 20 for all of our products but if you put it in for baseball it gets you that 20 percent off knocks the price the early bird down to 40 dollars. and the 40 dollar product is all season long from now to the world series all season long you get access to discord uh we'll do the show here as an added benefit for everybody but you get access to discord you get all the articles you get all the rankings and we've got rookie best ball dynasty seasonal rankings we got all these rankings that are there uh, this week is kind of head-to-head -head week, so you've seen a bunch of those articles from myself and Patio Joe coming out today. 
Uh, we kind of we got the best ball product. Hopefully next week. We're kind of looking at maybe next week before the following week and have a whole thing. Scott Bonder and uh, Rob putting that together for us too. So use the promo code FSD20. I think we've got you hit from pretty much all the angles that you're going to need to have success. And don't forget the football package is still available too. If you want to do that, if you want to play DFS, if you want to get access to the Super Bowl package, uh, the wagering package for the Super Bowl, if you want to get access to wagering, Discord, all of that's now available in the All-In NFL package. And you see it there, it's $39.99. Again, that gets you the Super Bowl betting guide, DFS, seasonal, Discord, all of it through the Super Bowl. And uh, Ray, weren't you telling me a couple of weeks ago, you want to do a best ball fantasy baseball draft involving you, me, and the listeners? That's that's going to happen at some point probably in the next month, right? Well, now that you brought it up, Kyle, on air, I think we have to. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> it's not happening tomorrow, is it? No, it's not happening tomorrow. Uh, we'll wait until the rankings are out at fantasyguru.com before we do that. But yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, you know, in the old days, we used to have, we do a show league, right? But it'd be 12 people or 10 people because two of them would be us. And we thought it'd be nice to get the listeners involved and, and get them a chance. Best ball is probably the way we're going to do it. We'll all sit down and do a draft and then, you know, let it play out. And we do have plans uh, as well uh, for leagues this year at fantasyguru.com. More information to come on that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, you know, when you sign up for the, the product, you'll get access to that as well. Uh, but if you want to do the best ball, that would just be anyone listening here. You don't have to have access to the product to be involved with that. But wait, for best ball, two things. How many teams should you have and how many rounds should you have for baseball? I know it's a little different from football, but yeah. what, what's kind of your sweet spot, you think, well, for baseball? Best I don't, ball? That's a great question. I mean, to me, if I don't have an answer for what the industry does because I'm not really a best ball guy. Mm -hmm. But I would say that I would think – 14, 15 teams. Let's make it deep, right? Let's. I like it, Ray. I'll, here's and this may sound silly. I like 15 teams. Yep. 40 rounds. 35, 40 is what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so again, that that's my one hesitation with this best one. If we're doing a best ball draft, I'm setting that timer at 30 seconds because I'm not doing a seven hour I, draft. I'll say another thing, Ray. And I, yeah. for me, I'd rather do this off air. Yeah, we're not going to do this on air. I, yeah, I, yeah, I would rather sit and like play this out and kind of think about yeah. it. No, but going that deep. Agreed. What I was saying is I'm going to set the timer at 30 seconds for the picks because I don't want this thing to take seven hours. I don't want to be God doing this till three in the morning. Uh, but yeah, no, I think we should do it off air because it's going to take a long time to do it. Uh, but then we can obviously discuss it, break it down on the show, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think that's something that can't say 100 percent we're going to do it, but it's probably at the 90 percent range. Uh, we appreciate all those. Room's already pretty active uh, on a Tuesday. Uh, they're ready for baseball, I guess. But uh, people who are joining us on X, Facebook, YouTube, uh, maybe you're listening to us after the fact on the podcast. Uh, follow us. You'll get all the podcasts directly downloaded onto your listening device. So we appreciate all those. And even those who follow us live, it's always good to download the podcast. It's always good to have more people uh, listening. We also take questions. And uh, Greg, uh, I think Greg's asked this a couple of times. Uh, he wants man's. Great. He, he wants man's on the show. The, the problem with Jeff, he's, you know, it's like, uh, let's see, it's 11 Eastern. That's like mm -hmm. nine o'clock Phoenix time. It's eight o'clock. No, no, no. Right now, right now, right now. Right now. Okay. Nine. Okay. Yeah. At this point in the year. Um, but he's probably heading to the coffee store right now. Right. Well, when, when does that happen? We, we should get Jeff on here at some point. Sure. Yeah. And he'll do it. But the problem, and for those people that have been with us for a long time, they know this Jeff and Jeff and my schedules, couldn't be more different. Okay. I start every day at 6.45 in the morning. I start before the sun comes up every day, right? Jeff goes to bed at like four in the morning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there we he he doesn't wake up until like nine o'clock because or eight o'clock, eight o'clock, I think. I think he sleeps. Oh, come on, he gets more than four hours of no, sleep. He really doesn't. He really doesn't. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But Jeff, he does, he does we need all... intervention. 
<laughs> we need an intervention. My God, that that's like, you know, people always want to talk about exercise and eating and being like the number one thing is sleep, man. Get some sleep. You got to get some sleep, Jeff. Everybody get some sleep out there. It's not it's not how Jeff does it. And he he, he thinks that if you sleep seven or eight hours, you're lazy. That's what <laughs> um, but uh, so getting him on is it's a I, I think we can do it now that the football season's yeah. winding down. Uh, but it is. It's a different. He's going to have to plan for it. Uh, whereas yeah. you think he'd be up, he's going to have to plan. For it. He's a busy dude. That's you know, and he's got the show on Sirius and does a lot of the football. We will work our best. I, I think Super Bowl week might be a fun week to get Jeff on for the big game, um, and we'll have that big Super Bowl. Uh, you know, write up the the wagering guide. He's all into that. So so maybe we'll take aim at Super Bowl week, and we'll, we'll promote it. We won't just spring it on you. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. let you know. Because I get it. You're tired of Ray and I. You want you want to peroxide on this show. So it it's so funny. There are those photos with the frosted tips, and people say, You're a 46-year-old man with frosted tips. The <laughs> photo's 10 years old. But you know, there's a couple of good photos out there with them with that. Yeah, thing. yeah. So so we'll get into that. Anyway, Greg, uh, hold hold steady. We'll, we'll we'll get around to it. Um, okay, let's get into the baseball. Uh, we like to promote, you know, columns, specials, you know, things going on on the uh, draft guide. And already Ray and the crew, Rob Povey and everybody, they've got loads of columns up there and player profiles and uh, kind of breakdowns of last season, what went right, what went wrong, all that stuff. Another thing on there, Ray, is a color-coded positional eligibility chart, um, which this is always something, right? Like, here it is. Look at that. For those who are viewing, this is something, right? I wish it would be simpler and easier to digest, but it's like crazy in baseball. It's getting crazier every year. And then we've got different levels of what makes you eligible and what makes you not. And this has always been, Ray, one headache to me, especially if you participate in a variety of leagues, is figuring out who's eligible where in what league. Like, this is one of the more frustrating things, I believe, about fantasy baseball every year. Yeah. The, and, you know, it's kind of akin in fantasy football to being in a PPR half point and full point. Of a PPR half point and non-PPR, excuse me. Like, the value of a player can drastically change. It's kind of, I think, the baseball version of that. Um, traditionally, it's been 20 games played at a position, right? Problem is, guys play all over the place now. You know, 20 games sometimes doesn't happen. There's, you know, some guys on the list that just missed the 20 games at certain positions. Uh, and so a lot of leagues have started. I think Tower started this a few years back. They started moving to 15 games to qualify for a position. Then you get some people that have always done 10 games. Some people do five games. I've, I've been in leagues. It was a long time ago, but it was one game. <laughs> so, you know, I think everyone's kind of got their own. And then there's the difference of how you qualify in season. So it is difficult. It's like you said, the, it's not there on the, the graphic we have on the screen, but in the actual draft guide, we've got green, blue, yellow, red. There's four different color codings. It's an Excel sheet you can download. It takes me forever to put it together and all of that. But Everyone's got different rules. Uh, there's some providers named Shmahu that have <laughs> every player is qualified at eight positions. That's how they that's how they run it. Um, so your provider has a, a big say in this too, Kyle. Uh, in the article, which is online, fantasyguru.com, part of the draft guide, um, there are players who qualify at three positions, depending on your league. Uh, you can see some of the names Ray has there. Probably the biggest ones are the ones he's leading with. You know, guys like Spencer Steer, Hassan Kim, Tommy Edmond, uh, those guys are always a little more valuable um, if they qualify at those positions. And if you have daily changes, they can be very valuable in daily changes. Not that they aren't in weekly, uh, but also Ray, the, the DH thing. 
I mean, looking at guys who only qualify as utility, that's some big names there. Um, you know, Byron Buxton, Jesse Winker, uh, J.D. Martinez, Eloy Jimenez, Harold Ramirez, Marcelo Zuna. Th those are guys, and usually if you're DH only, you fall on draft day because you lock up that UT spot. Um, those are some notable names and, and some other names who could be more notable as this season commences. Yeah, and again, that's the list there is 20 games. If you go and download the Excel sheet, you can see the color coding for 15, 10, all of that. So maybe your league is different. But there are a lot of big name players that, you know, didn't do anything. I mean, Marcelo Zuno was 142 games at DH and two pinch hitting. Like he didn't play the field. And that's big if the guy's hitting 40 home runs to think that, you know, you're, you're locking down a spot without flexibility. And it's never... It's never wrong to take a DH only player if the player is good, right? It's not wrong to do that, but it does make things tight because if you're talking about taking a guy within the first hundred picks that doesn't have a position, you're not giving yourself flexibility as the draft you know, goes through. Because if you have a guy who qualifies at second and short, you draft him at second base, someone else at second base falls. Well, now you slide this guy into shortstop. Maybe you end up getting another shortstop. You slide the guy into to the UT spot. If you you know anchor yourself to one of these UT only players, it does change your draft strategy and the way you can put a team together. And we were talking earlier about the uh, games played qualification. Um, if you are in a 15 game to qualify or lower, a lot of guys suddenly become available. Ray, there, there's a lot of guys, as you note in the piece, as you note here on the one sheeter, um, that are kind of that 15 to 19 range. Which, mm -hmm. if you're playing 20 games, these guys are short, but. For other leagues out there, these guys become more valuable because of the ability to move them around. Absolutely. And so it's paramount to understand and beforehand. Don't just show up to the draft. Hey, what's the qualification? Understand beforehand so that you can plan. Um, I think the biggest one, and he's listed there, is, and Kyle joked about Mookie Betts being the greatest second baseman of all time. He played 16 games at shortstop. So if you're in a league that uses 15 games, you now have Mookie Betts as shortstop, second base, and outfield. And depending upon your depth of your league and how your league mates draft and everything, does that lock him down as a top five pick? I mean, well, I was going to say, Ray, could you? I don't think he's going to go number one. But, you know, because Otani is, you know, depending on how your league treats Otani, certainly Acuna, you know, the. But gosh, Ray, I, I think there's at least a mention of them as a possible number one if you've got that daily mm -hmm. ability to shift them between short second and the outfield. My goodness. Uh, yeah. In the NFBC, which is 20 games, so he only qualifies at two positions there, does not have shortstop. His ADP right now is five. So mm -hmm. he's a top five pick there, and that's without the extra position. Now, would he go above Acuna? I don't think anyone would take him Acuna. Bobby Witt? Maybe. Maybe. Julio Rodriguez? Maybe. You know, yeah. Corbin Carroll, maybe. So, yeah, that's – and Mookie Betts is someone that you can never go wrong with drafting. The only thing that's going to stop Mookie Betts is injury, right? He's just going to be good. He may not steal 30 bases like some of those other guys, right? He's not at that point of his career anymore, but dude's just dynamic. And that third position got would make you feel just ecstatic if you're able to grab him on draft day. Uh, check it out, the positional qualifications uh, link. Uh, also, you can download the color-coded chart. Uh, that is something that's very easy to print out. And then you can just take it to every draft that you have because you'll see based off your league's parameters who's actually eligible. And hey, there are guys you can sometimes sneak through. Uh, we should note there there doesn't appear to be Ray many guys who have the Dalton Varsho thing, right? There's not like this silliness of a guy, you know, who's everybody knows he's an outfielder, but he has the catcher tag. There, there's none of that this year. 
Yeah, and, and Dalton Varsho loses it, like you said, you said it yesterday on the show. And, you know, going through here, looking at the list, I mean, Salvador Perez has got first base, but, you know, you're not going to care there, right? Uh, if you drop down lower, no, because, you know, a guy like MJ Melendez lost his catcher eligibility because mm -hmm. he only played 10 games there. Um, no, there's not – I'm looking at the list right now, Kyle. There's not mm -hmm. a trickery guy, a trickeration player like uh, Varsho was last season. Well, I, I bring up catcher because that leads into our uh, positional discussion, which we're covering all week long here on the show. We'll go position by position over the next uh, eight, nine weeks. Uh, we start with catchers. Yesterday, we got things rolling. Uh, today, we're going to look at some of the surprises of last year. But before we go there, um, I would like to hit you with a DYK each and every day for each position. Uh, at the catcher today's Did You Know, only five rookie catchers in the history of baseball have hit more home runs in their first season than Francisco Alvarez hit last season for the Mets. Um, I don't know if anybody can name these, Ray. I, I will say this. One of them happened in 2012, I believe, a rookie catcher, and I'd totally forgotten about this guy. Okay. okay. <laughs> Until I looked it up. Now, one is Mike Piazza. Right. He's actually number one. Uh, there's a player from the 30s. I think he played with Detroit. Rudy York hit 35 home runs as a rookie catcher. Um, 1971, um, Earl Williams of the Atlanta Braves. Now, oh, Earl okay. also played some third base and first, but he was primarily a catcher. Okay. Matt Noakes. Matty Noakes, 32. Yeah, I, I remember Matty the Noakes. Matt Noakes hype. 1987 with Detroit. I remember getting Matt Noakes baseball cards was a win. Even I, Kevin Seitzer in 87. I think Kevin Seitzer's at 305 with 13 home runs, <laughs> and Noakes is 289 with 32 home runs on RBI baseball. Okay. Uh, the you know, arcade game, greatest baseball game ever invented. I don't care what anyone says. I have the RBI arcade game. It's in my other room here. Um but yeah, I think Matty Noakes, he, he never got back to the top of that mountain. Yeah, he, he got to, I remember he made the, I believe he made the All-Star game as a rookie in 87, and he was decent, And but after 89 hit, or 90, he was finished. And then the player from 2012, who um, maybe Ray can double check this, he either had 25 or 26 home runs. Again, Alvarez had 25 last year. Uh, he played for Colorado. Waleen Rosario. Rosario, yes. Another rookie. And then he kind of disappeared, never to be Let's heard see. of again. Willeen hit uh, 28 home runs. 28. In yeah. 396 at-bats. <laughs> what did he do the rest of his career? He hit 21 the following season. Then he hit 13-6. Then he went to the KBO, Kyle. Oh, my God. And in two years in the KBO, hit 70 home runs. <laughs> wasn't enough to get him a job back in the bigs, was it? It, it wasn't. No, he ended his career with a with a, a 961 OPS and a 1,074 OPS in the KBO, and no one wanted him back in the States. Wow. You thought Barry Bonds got blackballed. <laughs> well, Ian Rosario, right? <laughs> what more does a catcher need to do? Like Adley Rushman wishes he was Willene Rosario. Wow. Gosh, we might get some Hall of Fame votes for Willene before it's all said and done. Um, okay, let's continue with the catcher discussion, Ray, and talk surprises. Um, and a couple of these guys we actually mentioned yesterday, they were in the top 10, and they probably deserve a bit of a deeper dive. You see them right there. Uh, Jonah Heim of the world champion Texas Rangers, and then Yanir Diaz of the not world champion Houston Astros, but the uh, very good Houston Astros. Ray, both these guys out of the Lone Star State, and 
I don't know. Do you remember reading anything about either of these guys going into last season as, as guys to get, even as second catchers, Ray, I, I don't feel like they were mentioned at all going into last season. Well, I know I'm in a, in a keeper. We keep five players year to year. And my second catcher was Mitch Garver. Uh, and when Mitch Garver got hurt, I went and grabbed Heim and he was on the waiver wire. So it's a 12 team league with two catchers and he was on the waiver wire, you know? So yeah, I don't think that anyone was, any, I don't think anyone was convinced that his offensive production was going to be better than 2022. And, you know, again, it's okay. You hit 16 home runs, 50 RBIs, eh. but there was no excitement and no, no one thought the season would, would be to the level that it was last year. Yeah. With Heim, the number that leaps, Ray, are the RBIs. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know how many people, you know, if you watch the World Series and you follow baseball, they brought this up. It was a huge story in the first half last year. Texas was like out of their mind with runners in scoring position. Like they, they were just ridiculous with their production. And Ray, as you might expect, Jonah Heim was probably the lead dog there. I, I mean, this guy, he came up to bat. 126 times had 126 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Now he came to bat with nobody even on base 285 times. So he was a lot more batting with nobody on base than he was runners in scoring position, right? He hit 375 and 84 of his ribbies came. Now, again, that happens for a lot of guys, but that Ray just kind of speaks to a, is he going to be in that position that often next season? And B, can he hit 380 next season? Honestly, he can't. And that's the concern here with, I can't book this guy for 80 ribbies this upcoming season. I mean, that's fair, right? He spent 90 games last year hitting sixth, right? So, and there's obviously a full expectation that the Rangers offense is smoking again. But batting sixth, seventh, you know, that makes it a little tough too. Uh, you're right. I mean, he he did a full Will and Rosario uh, he had 1,100 OPS with guys in scoring position, which is just not – I mean, the previous two years it was 725 and 771, which is basically the hitter he is, right? So, yeah, when it, when a player does something outstanding, we want to credit that player, but we also want to be realistic about, you know, what that means moving forward. And let's say he hits 310, and let's say he has a 920 OPS, which are terrific numbers. What does the RBIs go from 84 to 64? Boom. Yeah. And what if he hits 265 with an 805 OPS? Then we take so yeah, it's really difficult, especially given his likely spot in the batting order, to expect a repeat in the RBI call. And and Ray, thank I say thankfully, um, correctly. How about that? Nobody's given him any respect this year. I mean, to think you've got a catcher who drove in 95 dudes, like just that number, 95 ribbies. And, Ray, he's not even being drafted as a catcher one in the NFBC. He's outside the top 12 in those leagues. Yeah, right now at FantasyGuru.com, I have him 13th. So, I mean, you know, when you talk about a ballpark and you talk about a lineup, you know, that there's the supporting pieces there. But I think you said it earlier, the, the, the batting average – think about this, too. The batting average with guys on base, 375. He had 375 with runners on scoring position and still only hit 258. Like, you know, he's a 245 hitter. Like, that's just who he is. And he's not a 30 home run guy. He's not, you know, Kyle Raleigh, right? So it's like if that RBI number goes from 95 to 71, you know, he starts pulling back and he's not Ben Yon Gomes, but he's getting much closer to that 
level of catcher than what we saw last season. I mentioned no respect for Haim. Ray, a lot of respect for the guy below him here on the photo, uh, Yanir Diaz, um, who really, I guess you could say from like June 1 to the end of the year, which, it, you know, why June 1? I don't know. I just chose it. He kind of became an everyday regular by the time June 1 rolled around. He started being the catcher for Houston. But, Ray, from, from that point to the end of the year, this is probably the best hitting catcher in baseball, Yanir Diaz. I mean, you can make that argument. Mm-hmm. Um He's top five right now. Uh, so Heim, zero respect, but a load of respect for Yanir Diaz going into this season. Yeah, and this one's interesting because it's a, it's a, it can be a good place to hit if you pull the baseball, obviously, with the Crawford boxes in Houston. And, you know, the, the Astros are always a good team. And, you know, Diaz, ha, you know, people are looking at Diaz and they're, they're seeing 23 home runs and 355 at-bats and they're dreaming 30 home runs this year, right? They're dreaming that this is the new Salvador Perez. Yeah. Now, the issue with that is, much like Perez, Diaz has no idea what a walk is. He has no clue. Zero. <laughs> no idea what a walk is. And we've talked about this forever. There are very few players in baseball, very few in the entire sport, that can have a 3% walk rate and bat 280. Like, it's very, you expand the zone, you put too many balls in play. You know, Diaz is not a guy like a Tim Anderson type that's going to beat things out with his speed so that you pull that back a little bit. Uh, he didn't have an out of control home run to fly ball ratio, but 22% is a big number. You know, if that number ticks back to 17, 18%, which is still way above league average, he loses a couple home runs there. So I think, I think it's fair to look at his numbers last season and think he can repeat them. But my expectation is instead of 350 bats, he's repeating them in 450 at bats. So I don't, it's hard to envision him taking a quantum step this year, but people are taking that gamble. I, I think like the home runs are kind of the same over a full year this mm-hmm. year. Maybe the ribbies are a little higher, but Ray, that 280 average, I think, is the misleading part. It's he should be a guy you expect closer to 250. I mean, 240, maybe. Um, I'm not gonna say the bottom could fall out. And, and frankly, Ray, let's say the bottom falls out and he's hitting 220. Mm-hmm. If he's clubbing 25 home runs, yeah. he's probably still a, a catcher one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is he does not have to worry about Martin Maldonado, he's gone. So like this idea of Maldonado coming in and stealing starts because he knows how to handle a pitching staff. We don't really have that. Um, who's the backup there now? Carantini? Yeah, Victor yeah, Carantini. Carantini. Not really a threat. I don't I don't believe. Maybe the Astros will surprise us there. So in effect, he's like an everyday catcher that Houston appears to be committing to um, as long as he handles the pitching staff. They're really big on this. I mean, hell, Maldonado's stuck around for four years doing zilch in, in the lineup. Like couldn't hit worth a lick but they were so sold on his defensive abilities. So I, I am not here to, to speak to Yenner Diaz as a defensive guy, but Ray, if he were to have issues there, we've already seen this franchise uh, may actually bring in somebody to help him out, you know, to figure things out that that could be a fear, but I don't think we're going to have to deal with that this season. Yeah. I think that that's totally fair. Uh, and, you know, I think that there. I think it's good too because let's say he hits 230 and he maybe presses a little bit on offense at times and all that. You know, in the past we could just pivot to Maldonado, let him you know catch this week, take a break, kid, take a breather. That doesn't look like that's going to be the case. You know, Caratini is perfectly acceptable, right? He's a, he's a solid number two, but he's not to your point a guy that has any realistic chance of overtaking Diaz if Diaz is healthy, right? So it's a scenario where Diaz will go in knowing that he's the guy. Uh, the team will just say, go be you, and we'll be happy with that. And, you know, even if there's some bumps in the road, he probably continues to play. So Diaz, a, a true surprise last season, youngster who uh, was called up, took over and uh, hit and hit and hit. 
And now this season expected to be a top five catcher, according to ADP. Jonah Heim had a huge year, but not expected to be a catcher one. The only other name, Ray, that I in, you know, you can stretch the definition here. Mm -hmm. uh, Ilis Diaz mm -hmm. with Colorado. And it wasn't all that impressive, but, you know, Ray, he made an all-star game. He, hell, he was the all-star MVP. Um, you know, he kind of took advantage of Coors Field, like you expect. But he's also a guy going as a catcher two this season. Uh, but overall, I wouldn't say there's any, like, huge surprises here. A lot of the names that we thought were going to be the best catchers last year, they ended up being the best catchers last season, except for Haim and Diaz kind of making their way into the top 12. Yeah, and, you know, the, I think that the position is such, too, that if you have a if you have an out-of-nowhere season, even if it's not great, you can end up being as a catcher one, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of parity at this position. A lot of guys hit two, you know, 33 with 18 home runs or 275 with nine home runs. Like there's not a lot, of, you know what I mean? It's like you, you come out, you come kind of out of nowhere and you know, you play and you get 450 plate appearances and you just have a good season. You can be a catcher one. So there's still that opportunity too. I think the broader question for people too, is like when we talk in football, do we do a, a super flex league or a two QB league? is do we do a two-catcher league or a one-catcher league? And I think a lot of people would just prefer the one. Yeah, we'll del delve into uh, kind of strategies and such as we continue the discussion on the catcher position this week. Surprises today. Tomorrow on the program, we'll get into the guys who were letdowns uh, that you drafted to be catcher ones and did not come close. Kind of their outlook for 2024. Uh, moving to some quick news and notes from the world of baseball. Pittsburgh signing a role this Chapman. Uh, why the heck not make him your seventh, eighth inning guy. And and I still think Chapman can be decent. Mm -hmm. You know, he still comes, he's a big, tall dude coming from the left side and throws hard. Um, don't really know where it's going, but he can still be decent. I think that's actually a pretty solid move by Pittsburgh. Uh, but Ray, maybe the bigger news is the Dodgers, your friends to the South, uh, continuing to spend money this time on big maple, James Paxton. Uh, looks like he's close to a one year, $12 million deal with LA. Yeah. And I mean, they print money in the basement. It's it's it quite a quite a uh, pregnant pause. Yeah, there. it was right. I was trying. I was trying. We all know that James pa like what's a successful James Paxson season? Fifteen starts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're paying him twelve million dollars right now. You know, we were just talking about the Pirates. The Pirates to get eighteen starts would have to pay him three. Like that's just so the finances of the Dodgers allow them to take risks on players financially. I think from a fantasy perspective, you know, here or there here. Like you said, 15, 18 starts is kind of where you got to be with James Paxson. So I don't think that going to the Dodgers necessarily changes his outlook much. What it does do is, you know, diminish, I think, the the outlook for a guy like Emmett Sheehan, who, you know, was probably going to be the fifth starter for the Dodgers. Now the youngsters got no chance if, if Paxson is healthy. It was smart for the Dodgers because they have some young arms. They, they haven't obviously brought back Clayton Kershaw. Tyler Glasnow is always hurt. Walker Buehler's coming back off surgery. So it was a really smart move, a bridge move, a one-year deal, all that kind of stuff. But I, it just it does take some of the tarnish or tarnishes, excuse me, some of the youngsters with the Dodgers that you were hoping to make some starts. Yeah. I, I mean, Paxton last year got 19 starts and was very average. I mean, the strikeout rate was still good, but it's way off his peak. Uh, so you kind of wonder where his health is. And for the Dodgers, it's an innings play. Mm -hmm. You know, you can pay $12 million and and hopefully you cross your fingers for 110 innings. I mean, that's <laughs> honestly what they're looking at with James Paxton. And they're all righties too right now, the Dodgers. They need oh, a left-hander yeah. for the, the, the rotation. Yeah, so I mean, more of a streamer guy, honestly, mm -hmm. I, I think, than anything I'm going to go after. Uh, we got a question there in the chat room before we leave baseball. Jason is on the clock. It's a best ball for him. We were talking about that earlier. Uh, looks like he has Kyle Tucker, Garrett Cole. Lindor, Chisholm, Machado, 
and now he's in round six. Best ball, Rauschman, Logan Webb, Logan Thomas, Christian Walker. Any of those guys feel good in the sixth round of a best ball setup, right? Well, I think we're only looking at drafting the last two guys, right? We're asking if it's Rushman or... Yeah, he had another post right below it where he mentioned Christian Walker and Logan Thomas. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, I'm going to say I'd probably go Logan Webb. Hmm. Uh, And, you know, it's it's tough because, you know, in best ball, you want stability, but stability is more likely to be found on offense than it is in pitching. We talked a little bit about this the other day. Building a team in best ball around pitching is not ideal because the injury yeah. rate is just so high. But I do think that if we talk about Cole and Webb, we're talking about two of the, the most likely pitchers to throw 180-plus innings. If I took Webb here, I'm, I'm rounds from before I get another pitcher. Like I'm going four or five rounds with, with hitting the rest of the way. You, you said, hmm, Kyle, you'd go in a different direction. And I, I'm assuming that's Lane Thomas. Probably. I assume it is too. Yeah. Okay. So, so Lane Thomas of the Nationals. I, I might go Rauschman here, who we talked about a lot yesterday, Ray, mm-hmm. just to have that catcher position done. You do the two. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm kind of attracted by that just to be done with it because the pitching, with the way this sport is built, Ray, I, I think on the back end of a best ball, you just like, you know, pitcher, 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 yep. pitcher. Yep. and and you hope for the best. I. Mm-hmm. Logan Webb's good, like in a different setup, he may be the pick. I think for this setup, though, I kind of want to just square away that that catcher because, honestly, I don't think there's a week that Rauschman isn't your lead catcher outside of an injury. Well, and I and I also think, and, the, and Kyle and I have dealt with this for years because it's just the nature of it. People ask questions like this, which is the right question to ask, but it's very hard to give an answer because we don't we can't see the board. Yeah, we need to make sure you know what to do after that pick. Yeah, too, and, you know, you know it, is your league drafting crazy? Is your league drafting a – close to ADP are you starting five outfielders or three is it nine pitchers or seven is it two catchers or one so you know I, I always feel and and it's probably annoying to Kyle and I'm sure it's annoying to listeners at times <laughs> like I try to get the information because I really because you know I I can give you an answer right but I want it to to be the best yeah. answer and a lot of times we just don't have the information to really give the best answer yeah um and again it, it's uh man baseball it's a draft it's a long haul you know in football you compare it it's what 14, 15 rounds and baseball. Most of these drafts are at least 25, 30 best balls, even more. So there's a lot of planning that uh, has to go into it, but we do appreciate the question there, uh, Jason Uh, quickly on the baseball side. We talked about the hall of fame. Uh, We're going to get this announcement at six o'clock Eastern for those interested. I think major league baseball network will have it, but right right now it's looking like Beltre's in. That's easy. Um, Joe Maurer's probably in can almost book that. Todd Helton, Billy Wagner right now are trending above 75%. That's the threshold. So I'm a little surprised Helton's pulling over 80%, Ray, a little bit. Um, And then Sheffield is right on the edge of getting to 75. So we could have four to five guys, as you noted earlier, getting into Cooperstown this summer. Yeah, we joked earlier about this before the show began. Adrian Beltre is trending toward having the fourth highest vote count in history. (laughs) <laughs> now, is, is he a Hall of Famer? I think it's very clear he should be in the Hall of Fame. Don't have a problem with that. Is he the fourth best? No. And Kyle and I talked about the voting process. But it, it, to me, it's foolish to think Adrian Beltre is going to have the fourth highest vote total of all time. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little surprised. At the, uh, but I think that we've kind of come full circle with the analytics. Like Joe Maurer was great. No one disputes Joe Maurer was great, right? Was he a power hitter? Was he the prototypical catcher? Was his career long enough? Did he catch enough? Because he's the first baseman. He's just a guy. 
You know, Todd Helton was a terrific leader and a fantastic ball player, but it was the Blake Street Bombers and everyone was hitting 300. Your boy Ellis Burks was putting up historic seasons. Still so not enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it was – I think that, you know, 10 years ago, like when Helton retires, no, he wasn't – he wasn't – but yeah. people started to look at it a little bit more deeply, and I think all the, the tools we have at our disposal now have allowed people, I think, to take some of the noise away and, and drill down a little bit. Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't have a problem with Maurer or Helton getting in, but if we go that route, then we start becoming the Hall of Big versus yeah. the Hall. So it just depends how you view the Hall of Fame. I, I've always and I've lost this battle, so I've given up on it. But you know, I've always said my Hall of Fame is half as big as the real one, and yeah. so guys like Maurer and Helton, they're, they're getting in now. Harold Baines, I mean, come on, it's, that's it's, that it's was like, bad. Yeah, these that guys. So again, it's I. These guys are going to get in. If they don't get in this year, they'll eventually get in. Um, I will say my my Hall of Fame would have Billy Wagner in it. It would. It would have Adrian Beltre in it. It probably would have Joe Maurer. Like his seasons, Ray, when he was at the top are legit. I mean, he's hitting 350. And, you know, the batting average is out of this world. So I think he's probably in there. I, I will say the other, maybe my new argument is going to be this, Ray, because, again, I know the Hall of Good. Um, you can vote in up to 10. Mm-hmm. And it seems everybody feels they must vote 10 every year. That's my problem. That That's my new problem. There is no reason that people should be. Let me look at this list. Tori Hunter, Jose yeah, Batista. Yeah, Hunter, you know, or God, I love Matt Holiday. He was awesome. But why is Matt Holiday on anybody's ballot? Like, I, I think people are now, and that makes room for guys like, you know, people are like, well, I got to have 10. So Billy Wagner, well, he's top five. So he's in my five. And that helps you get into the Hall of Fame. This idea that that you always have to fill out your ballot is really a let, let down to me. And many guys that I respect, the guys, you know, Rosenthal and Gammons and all these guys have been voting star. Like guys have been voting forever. I get it. But like they feel they have to put in 10. And I think that is is a real issue now is that everybody's putting in 10 and that eventually adds up to get guys to 75%. Yeah. And I, I, that, I think that's totally fair. Uh, and there are years where, you know, it's really top heavy and then there's years where no one gets there, but then like you're talking about the lower guys start gaining. And once a guy starts gaining momentum, it's, it, it doesn't ever go from 15 to 40 back down to 15, right? Mm-hmm. The next year it's 46 and it's 51. And so it's Scott Rowland road to the hall of fame you know little by little yeah. bit by bit climbing your way to yeah it. and so you know, again the hall of big versus the hall of small it's the debate people have i i you know I, I think that you just need to i want people to be consistent don't vote one way one year and another way just be consistent but i mean I, I like to look at this list and you know i know andrew jones career fell off the face of the earth but for 10 years he was yeah. arguably the best all-around player in baseball yeah or you know he's got he's just under 70 percent carlos beltran He'll probably get in. He'll go the Helton route, right? He'll, he'll mm-hmm. kind of they'll realize. Bobby Abreu was a fantastic offensive player. Fantastic. He can't get to twenty percent. Omar Vizquel, who's apparently a horrible human being, is twelve percent. So you know, people people vote how they're going to vote. But I agree with you. I, I'm more inclined to have it be the Hall of Small than the Hall of Big. Yeah, I think year after year, if I ever had, I don't obviously don't, but it'd be like three or four guys would get my vote. You know, I wouldn't just say, oh, this guy's good and I, I respect him. Right. Let's give him a vote. <laughs> you know? So that's an issue. Uh, anyway, six o'clock tonight. Um, okay, let's end uh, things with a little football today uh, as we lead up to the uh, two big games on Sunday. 
Um, I had a dream last night, seriously, a dream that uh, like on Tuesday, the Kansas City Baltimore game had been postponed because of weather. Like they were so scared that on a Sunday, I really dreamt that. And, and I woke up this morning and had to double check. But the game is still on uh, for three o'clock on Sunday. Uh, that'll be KC Baltimore. That'll be followed by uh, San Francisco hosting Detroit uh, with the 49ers. Um, Debo Samuel, I think we mentioned this yesterday. It's looking like 50-50 for Debo. Kyle Shanahan said he's dealing with a lot of pain. Christian McCaffrey, um, we didn't get to bring this up yesterday. I did have it on the list, but he left for a bit of that game on Saturday. I think at the time people thought, oh, it was maybe something with the calf. Then we heard quad. Kyle Shanahan swears to us, Ray, it is nothing of the sort. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, well I, I don't know. I don't know either, but he's getting it 20 times this week regardless, right? Unless his leg <laughs> falls off. So, yeah, it seems like it's not a big deal. And I mean, I think with other players, you might slough it off. But with McCaffrey and his track record, you'd probably pay a little bit more attention to it. Coaching news. Josh Allen wants Joe Brady back as the Buffalo OC. That is notable, Ray, because they became much more of a rushing attack under Joe Brady. They mm-hmm. started to win games as well. So uh, that is something worth following. Tennessee has their head coach. Ray, uh, this, this is a classic Titans. They're kind of a cheap organization. They, they really are. They're and and hey, they're they're one of the poorer billionaires in the club. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if they're billionaires, honestly, at this point, outside of the asset that is the Titans. Right. Uh, but Ray Brian Callahan is uh, the hire, not not Belichick and firing Vrabel or not Harbaugh. Uh, Brian Callahan, and and I guess the 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 plus here is he took Joe Burrow and kind of was the OC to get Burrow to the next level. And we saw what happened this year when they had to turn to the backup and and it actually kind of worked. And I guess the Tennessee plan is let's turn this magic on with Will Levis, make him our Joe Burrow down here in Tennessee. Yeah. Well, that's not going to work if that's the plan. Um, But quickly, huh? He's not going to be Joe Burrow. No, he's not. Could he be a winning quarterback? Sure. I'm not saying that his career or anything like that, but he Levis has got arm talent. But I think Levis is, you know, best case scenario is QB 10, right? Like that's just the best case scenario. But it'll be interesting to see what they do because, you know, it's hard to judge a young quarterback. You could see there were moments there was a four touchdown game from Levis and there were moments where he's slinging the ball over the field. And there are other moments you and I talk about where like DeAndre Hopkins is standing on the sidelines with hands that, bro, you threw that ball 15 feet over my head. Like that was, so they need to obviously work with him. He was raw coming out of school and everything. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's the answer or not, but uh, Brian Callahan uh, is going to go a long way to determining whether or not he's the answer or they got to go in a different direction. It sounds like Philadelphia is going to stay with Nick Sirianni, um, although uh, they have let go of both their OC and their DC. So uh, certainly going to be some coaching changes there for the Eagles. Um, and then finally, Cleveland, they kind of had their end of the season meet and greet with the media uh, head coach and GM and Nick Chubb came up, Ray, and Obviously, he had that uh, just gruesome injury um, early in the season. And it, it sounds like rehab-wise, things are coming back, uh, and, and he has a shot of being there in week one. But the contract's the issue here. I mean, this guy, I think, is the third highest-paid running back for next year, over $15 million. Cleveland, because of their own screw-ups, i.e. Deshaun Watson, they're up against it with the cap. Right. Uh, Ray, they can save like $11.5 million by cutting Nick Chubb. Um, and knowing how this position is treated, the idea of I can draft a guy, I can uh, bring in some dude off the street. We talked about the free agent pool this year. I'll go out and spend uh, Zach Moss and get him in for two million bucks for a year. You know, I I I know Cleveland say they want to make it work with Nick Chubb. That's what they're saying to a guy who's given eight years, you know, six years to their franchise. Ray, I think he's going to be out. 
for a team that has cap issues. There's no mm-hmm. reason, honestly. And I, it sucks for Nick mm-hmm. Chubb, but there's no reason to be paying him over $15 million coming off the injury he had and with the salary cap constraints that you're under. Yeah, and even if his recovery is going well in the training room and the doctors are seeing good things, even with that being the case, they're not going to know in time if he's fully back to being Nick Chubb by the time they have to make all these decisions, drafts and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I hope they can work it out. Maybe they can restructure something. I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, if if they don't restructure, I don't know how they can afford it. It just, like you're saying, it just doesn't fit where the organization is at. And that'd be unfortunate because uh, he's done nothing but uh, play great football for that team. And I think they love him there. The, the way it probably works out is a swallowing of the ego. And what that means is, okay, I'm not going to get 15 million this year, but maybe I can get six this year and I'll get an extra year beyond that for like another, you know, two to 12. And, and you may laugh at that. Like, why would a guy, well, again, he can get the 15 million, but if he's released, he doesn't get all of that. And he's probably going to get released. And then you go to the market, you go to a new team, you're coming off this injury. What is your market? Yeah. So there is some idea that maybe you just take a huge haircut this year, but you get an extra year, maybe reestablish your value. So that, that is a possibility for Chubb and Cleveland. Uh, let's get to wide receivers. Uh, this week on the program, we are following up on that position. Two weeks back, it was quarterbacks. Last week, running backs. This week, we're talking receivers. Uh, Ray, we hit on the best of the best in 2023 yesterday. In terms of the misses, which we're going to talk about today, uh, some of these are are slightly unfair. Honestly, I, I, I was looking at guys who were drafted highly. And Ray, they, you know, I don't want to say they went all Austin Eckler. They didn't. But, you know. Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Jalen Waddle. You know, these guys were fine, but they didn't maybe take that next step or repeat last season or get the 85, 90 catches. I, I even threw a guy like Cooper Cup on here. Mm-hmm. And Ray, again, that's a little unfair. He missed games, but even when he was out there, he was a far cry. So, so again, you kind of have to stretch the definition, especially at the top. Now, there's a lot of wide receivers once you get outside the top 15. But at the top, Ray, you know, it was kind of Ridley, Metcalf, Waddle, Cup. Of, of those four, those were relatively big names. Who was the biggest disappointment to you of that? Well, I think just as a knee-jerk reaction, it's Cup, because not only did he not live up to expectations, you got Puka over there setting all these records, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, that should have been Cup, right? This The plan going into the season was 12 targets a week to Cooper Cup and yippee Kaye, right? That was the plan. So he's probably just the most disappointing because of what he didn't do and what his rookie teammate did do. Uh Waddle to me was, you know, when you're the second wide receiver on your team, what are you going to do? You know, 75 catches and 1,000 yards is really good. Yeah, you right. can't really leap to 90 catches. It's tough. Kill. It's very tough. Uh, Ridley, you know, was fascinating because Ridley, I think he was the highest ranked of these, these, these four names at the end of the year. But it was, you know, it was like almost like 100 yards and a touchdown or 26 yards, right? There was no in between. It was all peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. In the end, he was there, but there was, I know, a lot of frustration with him. I think I, I personally am a little disappointed with DK Metcalf, but again, I, this is not DK Metcalf. Yeah. I mean, he went for 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. The fact is his quarterback um, receded, and I don't think that the team did a good enough job getting the ball. to. The, you can't stop DK Metcalf. You can't. He's impossible to stop, but they didn't get him the ball enough. So I think he's probably the one that hurt me the most. And he was the guy that actually was on my teams too. Well, Lockett, Lockett wasn't any good either. I mean, we, not the expected, you know, hundred catches from Tyler Lockett, but he always gives you touchdowns. He didn't do that this year. That kind of speaks to that offense. Um, you know, Christian Watson, that goes without saying. And, and again, he was in and out injuries, I guess he can blame, but I, I do want to remind people both he and cup were injured going into the season. And a lot of people said, I'll take the risk. 
and it didn't work out. Um, so remember that next year when guys are injured going into the season, I say this a lot, it doesn't usually get better. Um, and those are two perfect examples. You know, guys who stayed healthy, Ray, I think Drake London and Jerry Judy were big letdowns. Those guys were probably drafted as wide receiver twos. And again, the offense did not help them. And that's kind of what you keep going back here. You know, Atlanta didn't, Ritter didn't make that next step up. Sean Payton didn't save the career of Russell Wilson. When those things don't happen, the wide receivers are affected as well. Yeah, and I think that you said this earlier in the show today, too. One of the main reasons I believe that it makes sense to lean wide receiver early in a draft versus running back, right? We're seeing that a lot more now. Is for what you said. Like, these guys are the, – the top-level guys produce. And the only thing that holds them back is injury or crappy offense, right? Drake London next year with a new quarterback and a new system in place is going to catch 85 passes for eight touchdowns. It's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. Jerry Judy – I don't know Jerry Judy's that guy. I don't know if, even if he goes somewhere and they say, oh, Jerry Judy to me is, I'm, I haven't seen Jack Diddley. A lot of hype with him. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen anything. Career. He's in and out of the lineup. He seems soft. He doesn't, I'm all in with Drake London. I am not in with Judy. But yeah, this both those guys were disappointments this season. No way around that. And I think in the case of one of them, it was his team's fault. And the other one, I think it's a lot on him. And uh, I, I kind of went a little deeper because, again, the top didn't offer us many busts or misses, but – I noticed there was a point in, in drafts, and it was mainly like the late 30s, old, early 40s at the position, kind of your wide receiver four. And, Ray, you see names like Michael Thomas, Traylon Burks, Kadarius Toney, Elijah Moore. I mean, these guys were bums. I mean, you couldn't play these guys at all. Uh, there were other guys in that wide receiver four. If you guessed correctly, man, you feel great. You know, <laughs> if, if you made Jordan Addison your wide receiver four, I mean, look how brilliant you are. But that that was the point. And it's expected once you get that deep at the position, it's kind of a boomer bust pick. It's a risk reward kind of thing. Uh, but none of those guys who I you know, I was out on Michael Thomas. Who was in? I can't believe we fought this for three years now. Like people yeah. stopped drafting this guy. And, and like Tony, I mean, a, a joke of a player at this point. Like what? Where Traylon were the flashes? Ray, Traylon Burks is like done, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you got a new coach. We just talked about it. You got a new coach coming in, the new offensive scheme. There, You can't bail on Traylon Burks in a dynasty lit setup. In a keeper setup, depends. You got to keep like your whole roster. Like, I don't know how you keep him even if he's your last, you know, 16th round pick. In terms of drafting him in a redraft league, you know. But yeah, his, his career is, there's injuries and there's just nothing happening there. And that's a couple of years of that now. Back to those names at the top, and then we'll be done with this. Cup, Waddle, Metcalf, Ridley. Are they all still wide receiver twos next season? They probably are, I think. Ridley's a free agent, right? Um, I think he is, right? Is that right, Kyle? Uh, I feel like maybe he inked the extension whenever he came over. I, I don't think that Ridley is a free agent. Maybe double-check on that. Yeah, I'm double-checking on that. Uh, I think that Cooper Cup, his career is at a crossroads. I mean, to be fair. Um, because now he's a free agent next year, Ridley, okay. unrestricted free agent. Um, wow. so his, his value will depend obviously where he ends up. Uh, cup he's broken down now and he's in his thirties, right? He's not a wide receiver too, for me. I mean, but people may take a shot and get 95 catches out of him. Who knows? It, yeah. It, it, again, answering these questions now we have to answer them, but it's our job, but you can't answer these questions. We don't know where cup's going to be. We're, we're not certain what the offense is going to look like. Are they going to bring running backs in? They're going to bring a tight end in because Higby blew his leg out mm -hmm. the last game of, you know, all these kind of things, but I, I'm down on cup 
relatively speaking, obviously compared to where he's the last couple of years. DK Metcalf, it depends what offense they install. I'd love to see him get a new quarterback. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think Metcalf is kind of more of the same. And Waddle, again, he's he's handicapped because he's got, you know, arguably the number one receiver in football on the other side of the field from him. Mm-hmm. Those are a look at uh, some of the wide receiver misses uh, from this past season. Tomorrow, we will take a look at guys who are kind of surging up boards. Uh, I'll give you one uh, one quick hit. Uh, Rasheed Rice, guys like that who uh, suddenly are making jumps when we talk about receivers uh, for the future. So we'll hit on that tomorrow. More catchers as well, baseball, football. Uh, we'll also sneak in some basketball. Justin Finsterman is uh, set to join us tomorrow. As for this Tuesday edition of uh, FSD, we have uh, reached the conclusion of our fun uh, Ray, as always, good times. Uh, we'll see how the Hall of Fame go- voting goes uh, later today, and we'll get back here tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, okay? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, Kyle, and let's uh, hope that we get some, uh, some I don't know, surprise? Let's, I guess we just hope we get four guys in. What the hell? Let's go for it. What about Gary Sheffield? You want him in? I'll say this. If you're going to put Todd Helton in, Gary Sheffield needs to be in. Gary Sheffield was, I think, a more feared hitter. Yeah. Like if you're at, you know, at any point of his career, would you necessarily say top? Uh, so, yeah, I think the thing and John Heyman brought this up is what are your thoughts with PEDs with Sheffield? Mm-hmm. I was in the Mitchell report. and you know, I, But I agree with you. If Helton's in there, it's pretty tough to keep Sheffield out. Yeah, we shall see. OK, that will conclude our fun today. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, make sure you take advantage of the draft guide. And the season-long coverage. Remember, those two are tag-teamed together. You get the baseball draft guide. You get all of Ray's season-long work throughout the summer as well. Um, and use that promo code FSD20. That'll take the $50 price tag down to 40 when you sign up for that draft guide. Okay, Ray, have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good, Kyle. For Ray Flowers, I am Kyle Alfred. We'll catch you on Wednesday right here at FSD, powered by FantasyGuru.com. <laughs>